Hey guys, it's Molly and we are on episode 10 today. If you are single like me, I know it can be easy to feel like you're just coasting through life waiting for that right person to come along. But I believe that God has designed singleness to be this season where we can have purpose and meaning and substance to this season. And there's a reason why God has us there. So today we're going to talk all about that, finding true purpose in singleness. Well, it is Monday again, another week. Happy Monday. I hope you're starting it out on a good note. Well, you are if you're listening to this podcast, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, we will see how this goes. You know, I have... Okay, I just said one of the words. Okay, I have this list next to my notes. I just wrote down three words that I want to work on not saying as much. If you've ever listened to yourself speak before you start picking up on words and phrases that you say a lot. And these are mine. It says on here, don't say and too much. Don't say things too much. And don't say and you know, because I say that so much. And now I'm going to be paranoid that I'm going to say it. You guys, it is hard when you get in these habits of saying certain words. Before I get into this podcast... I haven't done shareworthy stuff in a while. If you're new to the podcast, shareworthy stuff is when I just share things that I feel like are worth mentioning, whether it's a product, a book, you, any kind of tool like that. But today I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to talk about shopping tips that have made my life easier. I don't have a lot of free time as a single parent in any way I can you know, speed up the process. There we go. I said, you know, all right, well, just deal with it, people. <laughs> anyway, I can speed up the process with shopping helps me out so much. I love, love, love Amazon Prime, don't we all? But did you know that with Amazon Prime, it makes it so incredibly easy nowadays. I don't know if this has been a feature it's had for a long time. Maybe I'm behind the times, but it's been so easy for me to return things. I just ordered the other day. I was I needed a new pair of tennis shoes for work because I live in tennis shoes when I'm cleaning houses. And so I ordered four pairs of tennis shoes online. Unfortunately, none of them worked. But the return process is so easy because they give you options and they allow you to return things at the UPS store. And when you return things at the UPS store, you don't have to package it up and you don't have to print out a bar, like a print out a return address. All you have to do is they email you a barcode. You take that barcode and the item that you're returning. And at least at my local UPS store, they don't want you to box it up. They just take the item unboxed. You give them your phone. They scan your barcode. They take the item and you are out quick and the money is returned to your account like so fast. It's amazing. I love it. Now I've been trying to when I order things on Amazon that I don't know if it's going to work out. I try to see if it's returnable and usually they say that on the item on Amazon if it's returnable or not. And it's just been so amazing. The other thing that I did just today for the second time, I think I've only done this twice, is the order pickup at Target. I know, again, this has been around a long time, but I love that it's free. So basically, you go on their website and you, instead of saying you want it shipped, you say order pickup at your local Target. And so I just 
picked a few items that I needed and was able just, you just go into Target to like their return area and they've already put your stuff in a bag. You've already paid for it. You just pick it up and leave, which is great with kids. I mean, I love walking through Target, but sometimes I just don't have time if I'm running other errands. And so I think this is going to be an awesome little tool to use every once in a while. You don't pay any extra for it. Basically, they do your shopping for you. I don't think you can do it on all food items. I think there's only certain like food items they let you do it on. But if you have like toiletries or cleaning products or even like clothes, I think they will do it with clothes. It's really nice because sometimes it's just not worth the stress. Shopping is all, not always worth the stress with kids. So making that easier is awesome. And even if you don't have kids and you're just busy and you're working, it's great. So that's what I wanted to share today. I want to start off this whole topic on singleness. Well, first, if you're new to the podcast and you don't know exactly where I'm coming from, I am a single mom. I've been a single parent for four and a half years and been divorced for it'll be a year in July. So here I am, a single lady again, um, and it's just so weird to be in this position again compared to being single, what, 10 years ago? See, I got married when I was almost 22. Okay, people didn't really do online dating at that much when I was that age. Instagram was starting to maybe become a thing around that time or a little after that. So it wasn't like people were meeting through Instagram, like Facebook, I guess. But you know, now nowadays with social media, like that's how people meet a lot. And it's just so weird. I feel like such an old person uh, starting over again. But yep, I am in this phase of life again and it's crazy and it's different as a single mom because I don't have free time to go out and like meet people and do all that kind of stuff but um I do understand just the difficultness of feeling like do I have purpose as a single person and that's all what we're going to talk about today four let's see do I have four tips let me see I've got five points And I hope that you'll go away feeling encouraged because I know it's so easy as a single adult, especially, you know, I'm 30 years old and the, the, the farther you get along and if you're not married, it can be discouraging to be like, I'm on my own and I'm seeing everybody else. I saw somebody on Facebook, someone I was following just the other day saying, everyone's getting married, engaged, having kids, and here I am on my own. And I understand that's hard. Thankfully, I have my two children that are just bring me so much joy. And and I feel really blessed to have them. And And I know that if someone has never been married before and doesn't have kids, like, it's challenging. It's lonely being on your own. I think that's one of the most difficult things about being single is just loneliness and feeling like when you're single and you're 20, 20, you know, up to 25, a lot of your friends are single, but the farther you get along, it's easy to feel more isolated and on your own. So I'm just saying, I get you. I'm here with you. And Today, I hope, will be encouraging to you. If you have a friend, so maybe today you're like, well, I'm not single, so why do I need to listen to this podcast? The things I'm going to share are are really applicable to anyone where they're at in life. I just focus this podcast on singleness 
And what I'm reading from the Bible is is focusing on from the perspective of singleness. But if you're not, you're still going to get something out of this today. But you can always share it with a friend who is single that you think, hey, this might lift their spirits a little bit. This might help them feel less alone. I would love for you to share it with them. So I wanted to, before I even get to talking about the passage that we're going to read from in the Bible, I wanted to read to you guys this article that I found on um, online about millennials. I feel like I can share this and I can just say how I don't agree with this and how it's ridiculous because I'm a millennial. So if I'm speaking about my generation, like it's okay, right? Well, I read this article about why uh, young people are staying single for these three reasons, according to new research, which are quite interesting. Number one is staying single leaves more time to focus on yourself. Number two, well, this is what it said on, on number one. Millennials invest more time in careers, social lives, and personal time when single. Number two was being uncoupled can make you more open to new experiences and more fun. And number three is being single can make you feel more independent and empowered. And it says for many young women, single can mean feelings of independence and empowerment. This is positive for the society. Millennial women are placing a high value on their social lives, personal growth and careers, and it's making them feel strong. I thought that was very interesting because all of those things, focusing on self, focusing on fun, focusing on feeling independent and empowered are so, I think are some negative things of our generation. The fun, focus, like life is all about having fun and focusing on myself and self-care and, and I'm just going to take this season to invest in myself are all very contrary to what God calls us to do as believers. And so we got to get that out of our head, this idea as millennials of this freedom and I get to do what I want kind of thing. And what we're going to read about today, we're actually going to read about Ruth and her example as a single woman. Well, she was a widower, right? And no, not a widower, a widow. She was a girl. Um, And just, I admire Ruth so much. I feel like I have a lot of connection with Ruth because just she experienced a lot of loss and God did just a wonderful work in her life because of her faithfulness to him. God blessed her. And so she is just a godly example of what it means and how to behave and how to act and find purpose in singleness. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. So let's just talk a little bit about the background of the story of Ruth. Well, there, so the story kind of starts out with Naomi and her husband. There was a famine in Judah, and Naomi and her husband and her kid, her two sons moved to Moab. That is where one of Naomi's sons met Ruth, and they got married. Ruth was a Moabitess, so she was not an Israelite. Well, as time goes on, Naomi's husband dies, as well as her two sons. So her two sons, one was married to Ruth, and the other one was married to Orpah. I think that's how you say her name. Um, So Naomi says after these two sons die, you know, go back home because she wants to return to her hometown in Judah 
because she finds out that this famine that they had moved uh, from Judah to Moab to this famine is gone and she wants to go home. So Orpah goes back to her home, but Ruth stays. And just in that of Ruth saying and Ruth sticking it out, there's so much great truth in that. So let's just get into this. Finding true purpose in singleness. So the first point I want to share is instead of only thinking of yourself as a single, kind of like what we read in this article about millennials, be dedicated to serving others. And I gave you the background about Ruth and kind of where we're at in the story. So we're just going to jump into when Orpah goes home to her family and what Ruth says to Naomi. She said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following, following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. This is the classic passage from the Bible of true loyalty and true commitment to someone I don't think that Naomi was the easiest person to be around. You know, she had experienced so much loss and grief. In fact, when Ruth and Naomi arrived back in Judah, the women said, is this Naomi that we see? And she told them, this is in verse 20 of chapter one, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara for the almighty, for the almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the almighty has brought calamity upon me? Ruth chose to be committed and to serve Naomi without expecting anything re- in return, she could have chosen to go back to her family, probably met another guy, gotten remarried very easily. I mean, we don't know all the details, but I'm assuming she chose a much more difficult path to travel with Naomi back to a foreign land. She didn't know anybody, but Naomi being with someone who's in intense grief and bitterness and sadness, and yet Ruth realized that there was a need and she chose to serve and support Naomi. And I think that is so beautiful. In fact, when Ruth and Naomi arrived back into town, she was willing to work for for them to help them get food. She said in chapter two, verse two, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And Naomi said to her, go, my daughter. And so Naomi's just jumping on it. And they were probably very poor uh, because back then men were the ones that were providers. And she's going to go out into this field and glean basically the leftover wheat and the leftover barley from harvesters. And she wasn't afraid of working hard and providing for them. We see Ruth's attention to detail and thinking of Naomi, thinking of others later on in in Ruth chapter 2, where she goes home from reaping all day and it says she brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. See, she was given food, well, from Boaz, actually. I didn't mention Boaz, 
Boaz is an important character in this story. Boaz is the owner of the field that she goes out and gleans in. He's going to be an important part of this story a little bit later. But what I just love is just this little detail is that she's given food by Boaz and Ruth thinks ahead and thinks, I'm going to eat what I eat, what I want to eat to feel satisfied, but I'm going to save the rest for Naomi so that she can have food to eat too. It is very easy as a single person to be so focused on yourself and not even really thinking about serving others, focusing on serving your family, serving your church. You have more time as a single person to be involved in your church and serving in areas that are needed. So it's not a season to just kind of coast through and say, I just do what I want. I'll take care of myself. No, the Christian walk needs to be a life focused on servanthood. And if you're not going to learn how to serve others, serve your family, serve your friends, serve your church family, it's going to be a big problem when you get married because marriage is all about servanthood and all about dying to yourself and giving of yourself for someone else. So number two, the example we have from Ruth is instead of living worldly and foolish as a single, seek to build godly character. What I mean by this is I think a lot of singles think I'm just in this fun, especially when you're in, you know, 18 to, well, I guess this phase of like being like a teenager is stretching out. So even into 30, where you just think I can do whatever I want to do without consequences. I just hit my phone. Sorry if it made a loud noise. When you feel like you can do whatever you want to do and it doesn't really matter. And when I get married and I have kids and I have a family, then I'll like get my act together. Then I'll go to church and then I'll do the right thing, and then I'll come back to my faith in God. And no, that's not the example that we have in Ruth. So stepping back a little bit in Ruth 2 verse 8, when Boaz meets Ruth, he says, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then Ruth, she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, and listen to this, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Ruth's reputation of godly character was something that was built over time. And it was something that, in a sense, preceded her. Boaz had heard about who Ruth was and what she had done and the sacrifices she had made. And as a single person, your reputation will follow you. And this shouldn't be our reason to be committed to Christ by, oh, I just want to have a good reputation. But, you know, the saying that you're going to attract someone that's like you. So be the person that you want to attract. I think that's really worth mentioning. And ultimately, our lives should be focused on building godly character because this is something that is built over time. 
being devoted to Christ, through growing in the word, reading the word, through prayer, being committed to going to church and investing in being grounded in our faith. There's no excuses for wildness, for living wild and doing whatever you want as a single. That will come back to bite you in the future. And if you want to have a great marriage and a great relationship with your spouse, that godly character is going to help you serve that other person when it's difficult. It's going to help you realize that your spouse isn't the end all be all and that Christ has to be number one. It's going to help you be a good parent when you're like, I'm tired and I don't want to serve. You know, God has the answers for everything and godly character is so much more valuable than living worldly. I think it's also worth mentioning when we talk about seeking to build godly character as a single. It's so worth mentioning that part of that godly character is committing yourself to sexual purity as a single. I think it's funny that article I read about millennials. Well, it's not funny. It's sad. But that millennials are having more fun and more freedom and independence. But how many of those millennials would say that they're remaining sexually pure? And God has a specific design through his word he's, he shared to wait to have sex only with the person that you've made a lifelong commitment to within marriage. And if we don't do it that way, now there's always forgiveness in Christ. If we've made mistakes and past, I always want to word, I want to mention those things that there's always the chance to restart and, and kind of become a redo of a virgin because God always offers us forgiveness. But I think for, for it's worth mentioning that there will be regret if you are sleeping around with multiple people. There will be regret. There will be consequences. You know, no one talks about the fact that so many people are getting STDs today because so many people are sleeping around. You know, God designed marriage to be with one woman and one man. And it's a beautiful thing. And it should be a beautiful thing with no regrets. I am really thankful that my parents instilled in me the importance of sexual purity at a young age. And when I got married, I was able to make it to to my wedding day. And there was no thinking of, oh, well, I slept with all these people in the past. Wonder what it'll be like this time. It was new and fresh. And it was a learning experience with my spouse. And it was innocent and it was pure. And that's the way God designed it to be. I also want to say that if you're single, again, being divorced and you're a single mom, and this applies even to people that have made mistakes in the past, it's not an excuse to say, well, I've made a mistake in the past or, well, I was married and so I'm not a virgin anymore. So why does it matter now with my new boyfriend or my new girlfriend to sleep with them because I'm not a virgin anymore? No, no, no. God designed sex to only be within the realms of marriage for a specific reason. And so here I am as, I don't know what what you want to call it, but making a commitment to purity again, restarting as a virgin. And I know that the Lord's going to bless that. The Lord will bless you for your commitment to sexual purity. And it will save you just a world of hurt. And if you're restarting and you've made mistakes in the past, God has grace for that. 
Okay, point number three. Instead of laziness as a single, work diligently and with intentionality. Let's look at what Ruth did as she was harvesting. Well, she spent three months working out in the fields from early morning till late at night. And she was a hard worker. I think millennials often think that we shouldn't have to work hard to get anything. Like money should just be handed to us. We should become this overnight internet success and not have to work hard. But we have the example in Ruth that as a single, she was diligent and she worked hard. I also think that sometimes as singles, we're not looking towards the future of, okay, what I'm doing with work now, is this going to be something in the future that's going to benefit me long term? Could I see myself doing this for years on end? If not, what training, what education, what else should I be doing? There's a there's an aspect to trusting God, but there's also an aspect of not taking the lazy route. If your motive is like, I'm just going to do this minimum wage job because I'm lazy and I don't want to go to school, that's not a good reason to school, to not go to school and get an education. Now, I don't have a degree. I got my um, cosmetology license, which I'm not doing right now. So I don't think that college is the end all be all, but I guess you have to think about your motives. My motives for doing what I'm doing right now, cleaning houses, is to be around my kids more. And I believe that's where God wants me to be right now. But if your motive is just like, I'm lazy and I don't want to work hard, then that's not a good motive. Point number four is instead of having the motto of, I can do it myself, be willing to submit to godly counsel and community. So here we are in Ruth chapter 3, verses 1, when Naomi says to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative? So she found out, Naomi found out that Ruth was working in Boaz's field, and she's like, oh, he's our relative. So let's go on. Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And then she replied, she is Ruth, all that you say I will do. I love how she is just willing to listen and follow through with Naomi's counsel. I think as young people, a lot of times we want to just do things on our own, figure things out on our own, and we don't, we don't realize the value in godly wisdom and counsel from those older than us. And this is really, really important as a young person and surrounding yourself with godly people, godly examples. If you're like, I'm going to go meet people at a bar, that's where I want to hang out and clubs and all that. You're not going to be growing as a person. You want to spend time with people that are going to help you become more wise, help you become more mature and are going to set a good example for you. And that's what Ruth did. And she listened to the wise, godly counsel. You know, when we take counsel from people, we take people's advice and then we measure that to, 
we pray about it and we say, is this God's will for me? And then we follow through what God wants us to do. But godly wisdom is a huge part, I believe, from other people that are farther along in the faith and knowing the right decisions to make. So the reason Naomi is asking Ruth to do all this stuff, lay at his feet and blah, 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 is because, like I said, Boaz is a relative and he has the possibility to be a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer could marry a widow and provide, hopefully, an heir, a son that would prolong the family name. Um, And also Boaz was able to redeem the land, the property of the family. So that's why Naomi is asking Ruth to go do this thing, lay at his feet, which I think Ruth has a lot of faith and trust in Naomi to, and trust in the Lord ultimately to go out and do this. Because to me, it sounds pretty intimidating to go out in the middle of the night and go lay at someone's feet, feet some guy's feet, <laughs> and ask them, will you marry me, basically? Um, I know it's it's different because it's a different culture and different tradition back then. But what happens, she goes out and does that. And this kind of leads into my last and final point. Um, Boaz says, yes, I would love to do that, basically. And he says, remain tonight at, at his feet. And in the morning, if he says, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So he knows that there's a relative that's like one step ahead of Boaz that has the first opportunity to redeem Ruth, marry Ruth, and provide a heir to prolong the family line. This is my last point, is instead of fear about the future, seek to have faith in God's timing. I feel like if I was in Ruth's shoes, when Boaz says, okay, there's another guy that's ahead of me, she's probably thinking, who is this other guy? Uh, wow, if he decides that he's going to marry me instead of Boaz, like, I don't know this guy at all. And she has faith in God and also just trusting that Boaz is going to follow through with his word and figure things out and do the best he can in this situation. And I think as a single person, it's very important for us to pray and give our fears to God about the future. Our fears about, am I going to be single forever? Is this, um, well, what if I never meet somebody? What will my life be like? What if I get old and I don't have someone to share life with? These are things that I struggle with. But we can bring those fears to the Lord and we can ask. You know, God in his word says, ask so that you will receive. And he says, even you do not ask and so you do not receive. And I think it's very important for us as singles, yes, to pray for God's will in our life, but also to pray, God, if it's your will, will you bring someone into my life? Will you bring a godly person in my life? And then if we are not overcome by fear, then it allows us and gives us greater ability to be patient and trust in God's timing instead of shortening things. You know, the very worst thing you can do as a single is to say to yourself, especially women, I know women can do this, is I don't want to be single forever. So this guy, whoever that I've met, he's not the ultimate godly example. He's not really the ideal person that I had in mind, but I don't want to be single forever. So I'm just going to get married to this guy because it's better than me being alone. Absolutely not. It is so much better for you to be alone 
and to live life on your own than to be married to someone who is not going to be running after Christ at the same speed that you're running after Christ. Okay, you want to know this cool quote that I just think of that is amazing. It says, run after Christ. So picture yourself running. And if while you are running, you look in your rear view mirror and you see someone running as fast and as hard as you are, then that is someone worth taking notice to basically. And that is so true that uh, we need to have faith that God will bring someone into our life that is committed to Christ and not sacrificing our values and sacrificing what God's put in our heart that's important to us to just find someone to be with someone. That's the worst thing to do. And I want to just end things on, because I think this is important and something that I realized through being married and now being single and I'm still learning is the importance that the important thing to kind of sum up all of this finding purpose in singleness that yes, we need to trust God and wait on God and pray that God will provide someone in our life, but always remembering that the only person in this world, the only person that's going to satisfy us is Jesus Christ himself. And any time in life where we put a, another person, whether it's a spouse, friend, our children, or we put a thing, or we put our job higher up than God, that thing or that person is not going to make us happy. In fact, it's going to make that relationship worse. And Christ is the only one that we have to look through, look to for satisfaction for all things. Because people are always going to let us down. I think it's funny because a lot of times, well, where is this quote that I found about being single and being married? It said something about, where did I find that? Did I save it to my phone? I may not have. Basically, it was saying that singles are looking at married people wanting to be married. And single married people are looking at singles saying, oh man, I wish I was single again. The grass is always greener on the other side. And so we have to look to Christ as the source of our contentment and no one else. And I think what beautifully portrays this is the fact that, so the story goes on and Boaz is able to be the redeemer of Ruth and marry Ruth. But Boaz as the kinsman redeemer is actually a picture in the Bible or we could call it a foreshadowing of Christ. And God is our ultimate kinsman redeemer. And that's such a beautiful picture that we have in the example of Boaz. I read this in an article and I just wanted to share it with you guys. It says, though Ruth arrives at Boaz, Boaz's bed, basically where you know he was laying on the grass sleeping and she comes and sleeps at his feet. Though she arrives at Boaz's bed empty handed and humbled to the core. It was very humbling what she did. Boaz treated her with respect and kindness. Disgraced by her position, as a widow and despised for an, her ethnic I can't say that word ethnicity ethnicity oh my gosh people you know what i'm talking about she was a moabite <laughs> this is ruining this great point she was despised for that the young moabite woman appears to have little to offer yet despite all this boaz views her as a worthy woman Though Ruth comes from a family that has turned their backs on the Lord as a Moabite, the Lord turns his face towards Ruth and reveals himself to her through Boaz. Boaz foreshadows Jesus Christ, the ultimate kinsman, kinsman redeemer who will redeem a bride for himself, the church.
which Jesus has done for us by redeeming us through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, conquering death and giving us freedom from sin and purpose. So I think that I want to just end on reminding you that we have our ultimate redeemer. We are God's bride. We are the bride of Christ. And even if God never brings that person that we want to be with for the rest of our lives, we can have ultimate satisfaction and experience true love in the person person of Jesus Christ. And that can bring great comfort to you and to me if you are a single. Because Jesus really does, I say this so many times, but he really does have the answers for all of our needs. I think for myself in this season of singleness, I have experienced times of feeling just incredibly lonely. And like I said, fears about the future. Am I going to be a single mom forever? Am I going to be old and gray and have to die by myself? Like These are the thoughts that go through my head. But this is a season that I'm in right now that God has me in for a reason. And that's what we have to remember, that God has us in this season for a reason. And so am I going to find purpose in this season? Am I going to live out my true purpose in this season? Or am I just going to wallow in my fears, wallow in this feeling sorry for myself? I mean, I think that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to wallow in feeling sorry for ourselves. And I know specifically for me, my purpose is... Part of it is, not all of it, part of it, the main part is taking care of my children and raising godly children. But I also feel like part of it is to being a voice for single moms. I was thinking about the verse the other day in Isaiah where where Isaiah says, well, God says, whom shall I send? Who shall go for me? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And as I was reading that passage, I realized that I just felt like God was putting on my heart that. Molly, I want you to be a voice for single moms, to be an example for single moms. And I know this podcast isn't just for single moms. It's for women of all stages of life. But I think that God has a reason for me to still be a single mom right now. And it it doesn't make, it makes it worth it to know that there's a reason and that that there's purpose. But um, it doesn't make it always easier because it is hard being on my own. And I'm, I'm sure that if you're single, it's, it's challenging. But we have to remember that this season is a great opportunity to live out our purpose in life for God. Our purpose isn't on hold. And also to take this time to really say, God, I want you to be my end all be all. I want to be the bride of Christ. I want to let you be my kinsman redeemer, realizing that true satisfaction only is going to come in you and you alone. And in Ruth, we have this beautiful story of Boaz marrying her. And then she goes on to have a son. And Ruth is actually in the line of Jesus, which is awesome because she was not an Israelite. But eventually she's like the great grandma of David, which we know David is in the line of Jesus. I want you to know that God has, God is going to bless you for your faithfulness to him. If you're faithful to him in your singleness, he's going to bless you. I also think of this verse a lot of times in my mind that says, do not be weary in doing good for at a proper time, you will reap a harvest of good. I think that's how the end of the verse goes, but I can guarantee you that if you are faithful to Christ, there will be blessing 
in your life. Blessing doesn't necessarily mean the perfect person coming into your life, but God will bless you for your faithfulness, whether or not it's here on this earth or here in heaven, but he will bless you. And God loves you so much. He's going to love you so much better than anyone else. So I'm kind of rambling on here, but I just want you to be encouraged and know that if you're single, you are not alone. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to close us out. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you that you have purpose for us if we are in a season of singleness. You have purpose for us wherever we are at in life. And Lord, help us not to just waste and squander this time. Help us not to waste this time on just Netflix and chill and just kind of cruising through and waiting for someone to come along. But Lord, help us to see this as a unique opportunity and a unique time to just grow deeper in love with you, God. You are waiting there for us. You are calling out to us for us to draw near to you. And it says in your word that if we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And I just pray that any single that's listening to this now, that that would be their desire and that's would be what they do is draw near to you and and that they will reap the blessing of you drawing near to them lord in jesus name we pray amen i want my last little takeaway for you to be a modern day example of what it means to be a godly single and you'll be surprised who it is it's actually my grandma she passed away a number of years ago but she was a single mom just like me and i I wish she was still alive because I would call her up and talk to her and get advice from her. But when I was a teenager and I would spend summers with her, one thing I saw in her was that she lived out her purpose as a single woman. She was visiting friends in the nursing home. She would go to church two times a week and I rarely ever saw her sit down and watch TV. And I think she was living out her calling in life and she knew that there was purpose for her as a single woman living on her own. And so that's a good example to me. And I hope that encourages you. If my grandma was being busy about the Lord's work, then how much more should we as younger people being busy about the Lord's work as a single? You guys have a great and wonderful week. I will see you all next week on Mondays with Molly. Bye guys.